Chapter twenty four of More About Pixie by Mrs. George de Horn Vesey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Too late. Sylvia's journey was quiet and uneventful, and her companion was tactfully silent, leaving her at peace to think her own thoughts. As time passed by, the natural hopefulness of youth reasserted itself and she began to think that she had been too hasty in taking it for granted that her father was hopelessly ill after all he had not dispatched the telegram it had been signed by his friends the nisbets who no doubt were unwilling to accept a position of responsibility when she arrived she would nurse him so devotedly would surround him with such an atmosphere of love and care that he could not help recovering and growing strong once more he would be longing to see her poor dear old dad working himself into an invalid's nervous dread lest they might never meet again as she herself had done a few months earlier and the sight of his child would be his best medicine they left the train and took their places in the boat it was a cloudless summer afternoon and the white cliffs stood out in striking contrast to the blue sky and sea what a change from the big grey city which even now was beginning to grow close and dusty what a glorious open prospect for one who had been shut up for months in the confines of a narrow street and yet rutland road had been far more beautiful to one voyager at least for at that moment exactly that moment as timed by the little watch at her wrist jack o'shaughnessy would have turned the corner of the main road to saunter towards his own home jack always sauntered with the air of a gentleman at large who had never known the necessity of hurry sylvia had watched him many times from the shelter of her window curtains and knew exactly how he would carry his head and twirl his stick and glance rapidly across the road as he unlatched the gate pixie would open the door and breathlessly unfold the news with which she had by this time been made acquainted and how would jack look then would the smile fade away would he feel as if all zest and interest had departed from the evening entertainment or would he make the best of things in happy o'shaughnessy fashion and console himself in molly's smiles the breeze grew fresher and more chill and the stars began to peep the travellers had reached the shores of france and far away in london esmeralda's guests were beginning to arrive the carriages were jostling one another in the narrow street then came paris and a space for rest and refreshment before starting on the next stage of the journey sylvia had hoped that a telegram might be waiting for her at this point but none was forthcoming and its absence was a bitter disappointment despite the old adage that no news is good news she sat in the big deserted buffet drinking bouillon and eating poulet and salad and catching sight of her own pallid reflection in one of the mirrors smiled feebly at the contrast between the present and the might have been 
this white-faced weary-looking girl was surely not the sylvia trevor whose daydreams had woven such golden things about this very hour the lady courier engaged a sleeping compartment for the first stage of the long journey to marseilles but though it was a comfort to lie down and stretch her weary limbs there was little sleep for sylvia that night she was up and gazing out of the window by six o'clock in the morning and the day seemed endless despite the interest of the scenes through which she passed through thy cornfields green and sunny vines o pleasant land of france the lines which she had read in her youth came back to memory as the train crossed the broad waters of the loire and sped through valleys of grapes and olives surrounded by hills of smiling green the sun was hot in these southern plains and the dust blew in clouds through the windows it was a relief when evening fell again and brought the end of the long journey sylvia stepped onto the platform and looked around with eager gaze although she had never met her father's friends she knew their appearance sufficiently well from photographs and descriptions to be able to distinguish them from strangers but nowhere could she see either husband or wife it was unkind to leave her unwelcomed and with no word to allay her anxiety and she had hard work to keep back her tears as her companion ran about collecting the scattered pieces of luggage she was so tired mentally and physically that this last disappointment was too much for her endurance and she thanked god that in a few minutes the strain would be over and she would be seated by her father's side they drove along the quaint foreign streets and presently arrived at the hotel itself a large building set back in a courtyard in which visitors sat before little tables smoking and drinking their after-dinner coffee they looked up curiously as sylvia passed but no one came forward to meet her and the waiter gesticulated dumbly in answer to her questionings and led the way upstairs without vouchsafing a word in reply it was humiliating to think that her accent had so degenerated as to be unrecognizable in his ears but there was no other explanation and it was at least evident that she was expected since he seemed in no doubt as to where to conduct her first he turned down a corridor to the right stopped at the second door and threw it open and sylvia saw with surprise that it was not a bedroom but a sitting-room in which a lady and gentleman were already seated the gentleman leapt to his feet wheeled round and stood with his face to the window the lady shrank back into her chair then suddenly jumped up and ran forward with outstretched hands it was mrs nisbet though looking older and more worn than sylvia had expected to see her and nothing could have been kinder or more affectionate than her greeting my dear child my poor dear child how tired you must be you you've had an awful journey come in dear and rest a few minutes while i will make some tea for you english people always like tea don't they and i will make it myself so that it shall be good come dear sit down let me take off your hat she stroked the girl's cheek with her hand 
such a hot trembling hand and there was an odd excited thrill in her voice which filled sylvia with a vague alarm she stepped back a step and drew herself up straight and determined thank you very much but i don't want any tea i want to go at once to father it has been such a long long journey i mustn't waste any more time no no but you are not ready just this moment you must have something to strengthen you first if you don't wait for tea there is some wine drink a glass dear do to please me sylvia stared at her fixedly and from her to that other figure which stood motionless by the window without so much as a glance for his friend's child a cold fear seized her in its grip the room swam before her eyes and out of the confusion she heard a weak voice saying brokenly tell me quickly please it won't help me to drink wine father mrs nisbet burst into a passion of tears and clasped the girl tightly in her arms you are too late dear an hour too late we did everything we could he left you his last love and blessing it was all over the two long days of waiting the last glimpse of dad's still face the funeral in the foreign cemetery and sylvia sat alone in the hotel sitting-room striving to recover sufficiently from the shock to decide on the next step which lay before her in the crushing weight of the new sorrow it seemed as if it were impossible to go on living at all yet it was absolutely necessary to make her plans for she could not be an indefinite burden on her father's friends they had come home to enjoy a hard-earned rest and as the holiday had begun so sadly there was all the more reason why the remainder should be passed under cheerful conditions mr and mrs nisbet had pressed the girl to spend the next few months travelling in their company but sylvia was resolute in her refusal i should be a constant care to you and a constant killjoy and that would be a poor return for all you've done for me she said sadly it will comfort me all my life to remember that you were with dad during those last dreadful days and some day i should like very much to visit you when i can be a pleasure instead of a burden it does not seem now as if i could ever be happy again but i suppose it will come in time it will if you trust in god and ask him to help you he sends troubles to teach us lessons dear and to draw our thoughts to him but never never to make us miserable said mrs nisbet softly you did not feel that you had lost your father when he was far off in india and he is a great deal nearer to you now in the spirit world never think of him as in the grave think of him in heaven and it will grow dear and home-like to you just because he is there it would have grieved him to the heart to see your young life clouded so you must try to be happy for his sake i don't mean by that that you can be lively or care for the old amusements that can only come with time but 
unhappiness comes from rebellion against god's will and if you submit to that and leave your life in his hands you will find that all the sting has gone out of your trouble the slow tears rose and stood in sylvia's eyes thank you she said meekly i will try but it's hard to be resigned when one is young and all one's life seems shattered i don't know what to do next every arrangement so far has been made till dad comes home and now that hope is gone and what am i to do i have no home and no work and nobody needs me aunt margaret would take me in of course but she would not like it as a permanency any more than i should myself she has her own way and i have mine and we did not agree very well she was very kind when she thought i was going away but at the bottom of her heart she was glad she doesn't need me you see i don't help her at all but you could make her need you you could help her if you went back determined to make it your work in life mrs nisbet took the girl's hand in hers and pressed it gently and sylvia looked into her face with miserable honest eyes yes i could i could shut my lips up tight and never answer back and look interested when i was bored and go little walks up and down the terrace and play cribbage when i wanted to read and read aloud dull books when i wanted to read lively ones to myself and pretend to like what i really hate and detest poor lassie it does sound dull i'll tell you a secret though it would not be pretense very long for it is one of the blessed recompenses in life that if we conquer self and perform a duty wholeheartedly and cheerfully it is distasteful no longer but becomes more interesting than we could have believed possible in the old rebellious days does it but i don't think i quite want to be satisfied with that kind of life sylvia said slowly i don't wish to seem disrespectful but really and truly aunt margaret's ideas are terribly narrow and old-fashioned and i shouldn't like it a bit if i were like her when i was old i've managed pretty well so far for i had nice friends and was always looking forward to the time when i should have my own home but don't you understand how different it is now and how dreary it seems to settle down to it as a permanency she looked up wistfully in mrs nisbet's face and met a smile of kindest understanding but there is no necessity to grieve over the future child at your age arrangements are rarely permanent and you were concerned only with the next step it seems for the moment as if it were the right course to return to london so try to look upon the situation from a new standpoint and face it bravely forget your aunt's shortcomings and remember only that she is your father's only remaining relative the playmate and companion of his youth and that you are connected by a common sorrow and a common loss set yourself to brighten her life and to fill it with wider interests forget yourself in short and think about other people when you have learned that lesson dear you will have solved the great secret of life 
and found the key to happiness and peace of mind yes sighed sylvia faintly it sounded very sweet and very beautiful but oh so terribly difficult to accomplish if it had been a big thing one great heroic sacrifice which she was called upon to make she could have braced herself to the effort and have borne it with courage but the little daily pinpricks the chafings of temper the weariness of uncongenial companionship these were the hardest test the most cruel tax upon endurance day after day week after week month after month the same uneventful monotonous existence and suppose for one moment that jack married molly burrell and bridgie returned to her irish home sylvia shivered and shut her eyes as at an unbearable prospect and mrs nisbet's voice said softly in her ear i do not ask to see the distant scene one step enough for me take each day as it comes dear and try to live it bravely without thinking of to-morrow we will travel with you as far as paris and have a few days together before you go on to london i wish you would have stayed with us longer but perhaps it will be better for us all to be apart for a time and meet again later on we shall be in london in autumn and one of my first visits will be to you your father has been like a brother to my husband for years past and we shall always feel a very close interest in your welfare by the way dear how are you off for money would it be a convenience if i lent you some to pay for mourning and the return journey you came away expecting to be responsible for a few days only and as you know when a man dies it is not possible to touch his money until certain legal formalities have been observed we should be only too delighted to act as your bankers until matters are settled thank you very much but i think i shall have enough i drew out what money was in the bank before leaving home and i would rather not get into debt until i know exactly how i am placed there may be very little left father always spoke as if he were poor he told you nothing about his affairs then you know nothing about them mrs nisbet looked at her curiously as she spoke and sylvia's heart gave a throb of fear she knew something there was evidently some secret with which she herself was unacquainted and in her present depressed condition of mind and body it was only natural that she should leap to the conclusion that the news must be bad and ostrich-like tried to hide her head in the sand he told me there had been some changes lately which i should not understand his lawyers will write to me some time i suppose but i don't want to think about money yet i have sufficient for the next few months for i shall go nowhere and need no more clothes yes yes dear it's all right you will get along nicely i'm sure said the other soothingly and sylvia felt another thrill of foreboding get along nicely did that mean she would have to earn her own living she dared not inquire further shrinking from the possibility of another blow but it was impossible to keep from wondering what she should do if indeed there was no provision for her support pixie's adventures in search of employment had proved how difficult it was for an inexperienced girl to escape becoming the prey of fraudulent advertisements 
and it was humiliating to reflect on her own incapacity what could she do that a thousand other girls could not accomplish equally well she could play fairly well sing fairly well paint fairly well trim a hat so that it did not look obviously home-made make a trifle or creams though she was densely ignorant about boiling a potato she possessed in fact a smattering of many things but had not really mastered one which if needs be would be a staff through life a hundred poor girls find themselves in this position every year yet their short-sighted sisters continue to fritter away their time oblivious of the fact that to them also may come the rainy day when they must face the world alone learn to do one thing well compare your productions whatever they may be not with those of other amateurs but with perfected professional specimens and do not be content until your own reach the same standard this is a golden rule which every girl ought to take to heart during the ten days which elapsed before sylvia's return to london she was haunted by the fear of monetary troubles which would make her either dependent on her own efforts or a burden upon her aunt's narrow income but neither mrs nisbet nor her husband referred again to the subject and some time must still elapse before she could hear from her father's lawyer in colombo the week in paris passed away quietly but more pleasantly than she could have believed possible under the circumstances for nothing could have been kinder or more considerate than the way in which she was treated by her father's friends while the brilliant sunshine acted as a tonic to the spirits every day they went long drives in the bois or took the train to versailles and spent long quiet hours in the woods and sylvia even found herself able to enjoy a visit to one of the huge magasins where mrs nisbet invested in quite a collection of presents to send home to english friends sylvia was tempted to buy some on her own account and it was a new and depressing experience to feel that she must not spend an unnecessary penny her little hoard was diminishing rapidly and she was growing more and more anxious to be safest home and free from at least immediate anxiety there was no lady courier to accompany her on this journey for the days of independence had begun and she preferred to be alone to wrestle with her forebodings and try to bring herself into a fitting frame of mind for that trying return to the old scenes the parting from the nisbets was like saying good-bye once more to the dear dad and she felt hopelessly adrift without their wise and tender counsels and the feeling of loneliness grew ever deeper and deeper as she approached the english shores the great shock through which she had passed had loosened all the ties in life and made the friends of a few weeks ago seem but the merest of acquaintances bridgie had written the sweetest of sympathetic letters but sorry though she might be the force of circumstances kept the two girls so far apart that what had been the saddest time in her friend's life had seen the climax of her own gaiety she had been dancing and singing and pleasure-making while sylvia shed the bitter tears of bereavement and in a few weeks more she would be spirited off in esmeralda's train to another scene of gaiety the o'shaughnessys were by nature so light of heart 
that they might not care to welcome among them a black-robed figure of grief sylvia felt as though the whole wide world yawned between her and the old interests and did not yet realize that this feeling of aloofness from the world and its interests is one of the invariable accompaniments of grief she was young and not given to serious reflection and she knew only that she was tired and miserable that the white cliffs about which she had been accustomed to speak with patriotic fervour looked bleak and cheerless in the light of a wet and chilly evening june though it was she was glad to wrap herself in her cloak and pull her umbrella over her head as she passed down the gangway on to the stage in paris it had been a glorious summer day and the change to wet and gloom seemed typical of the homecoming before her the cloaked and mackintoshed figures on the stage seemed all black all the same she would not look at them lest their presence should make her realize more keenly her own loneliness but someone came up beside her as she struggled through the crowd and forcibly lifted the bag from her hand she turned in alarm and saw a man's tall figure lifted her eyes and felt her troubles and anxieties drop from her like a cloak it was jack o'shaughnessy himself End of chapter 24